You're listening to Live 360 with Tony Sutherland, and this is episode number nine. Let's jump right on into part two of acceptance issues. And we're going to just even reveal more things today that's going to bring you a sense of freedom. You know, again, Live 360 is all about finding freedom. You know, the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily hold us back. And there's so many things about insecurity and acceptance, that once we discover the joy of the acceptance of God, we can throw those weights off of us and run faster, do more, and have more energy and strength emotionally and physically to do all that God's called us to do. And my hope and and prayer every time I do these podcasts is to help you find that freedom and joy that you can experience life to the fullest. And I got to tell you, the weight of insecurity and rejection, man, that can hold us back from so much. And it's time to cut those strings and those break those chains off of your life so that you can run with speed and energy and freedom and joy. Life was given to us to enjoy. If you're not enjoying life and you're not enjoying what you're doing, let's find out why and let's cut those things out of our life that hold us back, insecurity and the lack of believing that we are accepted with God. So we're talking about acceptance issues. And so many times leaders are striving to get people to love them and value them and support them and encourage them and lift them up. And it causes us to depend too much on people instead of fully relying on the Lord's acceptance and and belief in us. You know, God's belief in you should be bigger than anybody else's lack or or full belief in you. If people don't believe in you, it doesn't matter because God believes in you. And God's acceptance of you is so much stronger than anyone else's. It carries you. It gives you the courage and the energy and the strength to do all that you are meant to do and born to do. And our key verse in our last podcast was Ephesians 1 and 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace. Let's get focused on that, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Beloved, It's only by his grace. It's only by his acceptance. It's only by his finished work. It's only by what he thinks about you. That's where you get your strength. You're going to be rejected in life. You're going to be pushed out. You're going to be left out. People are not going to believe in you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to fight you. They're going to resist you. But when you know that you're accepted by God, anybody's acceptance or non-acceptance doesn't matter. In fact, you could be accepted by the greatest person who ever lived and it would be secondary and very cheap compared to the acceptance that God has for you. It's by his grace. He paid a great price for you. And so number one, we talked about that you have to accept your acceptance once and for all. You have to settle the issue. You have to quit looking back at the stands and swing for the fences. You can't swing for the fences if you keep looking back in the stands for the shouts of the crowd and the whistles and the approval. Because when people boo you from the stands, and they will, if your acceptance is based on them, you will hang your head and you will be dejected and you won't be even be able to function. 
or even sleep at night because you're worried about other people's acceptance and approval over you. You've been 100% approved by God. So number one, you need to accept your acceptance. Number two, you need to know that you're God's most loved. We talked about that word beloved. That means you be loved. It means that you are most loved. The disciple John was able to go to the, the most dangerous heights and deepest lows with Jesus because he knew that he was most loved. He went to the foot of the cross with Jesus. He suffered on an island and was exiled and boiled in oil. And yet he was given the, the, the joy of writing the revelation of Jesus. He was an indestructible man because of his understanding of most loved revelation. Remember, he wrote the book of John. He wrote it himself and self-titled it, the beloved disciple, the most loved disciple, meaning that he understood he was more loved than all the other disciples. I tell people like this. I say, guys, I'm more loved by Jesus than any of y'all. And I believe that. Now, I know that's not true in the, the, the literal translation or the literal view of that, but I do believe that I am most loved, highly loved by God. And it has helped me break chains of insecurity. Remember, we fail and sin and fall short out of insecurity, not security. In fact, we need to be taught more grace, more acceptance, more unconditional love by God so that we can be rooted and grounded in love. The scripture says, you being rooted and grounded in love may know the height and the depth. See, you can't go as high as you can go unless you're deeply rooted in that full 100 acceptance. I will never leave you or forsake you. No one can snatch you out of my hand. I'll be with you until the end of the age. Those are the things we need to hold on to so that we can overcome rejection and overcome that desperate, constant struggle and search for man's approval and acceptance. Leader, let me tell you something right now. You're never going to be fully approved of by man. And if you're striving for it and you're getting it a little bit here, as soon as you get rejected, it'll cut your legs right out from underneath you. As a, as to have a healthy outlook in life, to have a positive emotional wellness of being, you have to know that you are accepted as God's most loved by grace alone. We shared a couple of other scriptures and we're gonna share three more points today in this time together, but we shared two very powerful verses that support where we're at. And, and the new covenant, the new Testament is full of this, but I, I focused on these two verses. Hebrews 10, verse 10, 14, and 18. I'll read it real quick just so that you don't have to look back at it. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That should settle it. For by a single offering, verse 14, for by a single offering, he was perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And then the next verse says, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. In other words, he has completed it. He has finished it once and for all, for all time. You are a 10 out of 10 with God. And then in 1 John 4, 17, by this, now watch this. Let me, let me make this very clear in this verse so that you get the support from this verse. By this is love perfected with us. That means God's love is perfected in you. You are matured and you are solidified in that acceptance with God. You know it, 
You've accepted it. You've believed it. You rest in it. You settle it. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. That means whatever comes against us, rejection, judgment, condemnation, fear, the disapproval of others, uh, the lies of the enemy, the attacks of the enemy, him telling us that we're not accepted enough, we're not loved enough, we must do more, we must be more, we must strive more. God's not satisfied with us yet. God's not pleased with us. This is how we have confidence in those days. And then it finishes, because as he is, so also are we in this world. It's very important to know that you are just like Jesus with God. You are fully accepted. You will never lose your salvation. You are seated in authority. You are seated next to God. You are approved 100%. And remember, we taught that Jesus, God spoke to Jesus and said, I'm pleased with you. You are my most loved son. You are my most beloved son. Before he did anything, before he tried to prove his love for God, God said, I love you. Accept this because you're going to go through some tough times. You're going to go through rejection. Everybody's going to reject you. But you must settle. He wanted his son to settle once and for all, that he was fully accepted by God so that when he accepted that, it made him emotionally strong, physically strong, spiritually connected, knowing that no matter what he would face, God was never disapproving of him. This is what's going to make you a better leader. This is what's going to make you a resilient leader. Great mom, a great dad, a great person, a great friend to others when you know that you don't need their acceptance for you to be who you are. You're not going to be looking back in the stand. You're going to be keeping your eye on that ball and you're going to be swinging for the fences with all your might because you're not being distracted by the cheers or the boos from other people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this is what makes us emotionally stable and connected by knowing that we're fully accepted by God. We don't need other people's cheap approval to get us through in life. Sure, it feels good. Sure, it's nice when people applaud us and find significance and value in us. And, and we do... We do find joy in that, but it can't be what sustains us and drives us every day. Some people I know, that's what they live for. And when people reject them, and they will, they find their satisfaction in life declining immeasurably. And we can't be in that state of mind all the time. We've got to wake up knowing that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed in the enemy shall prosper because we believe in his unfailing, steadfast acceptance in our lives. Number one, we've accepted our acceptance. Number two, we know we are God's most loved. All right, so let's look at point number three. We're in part two today. It was a little bit of a lengthy introduction because I wanted to connect our last episode to this episode really well. Number three. So number one, accept your acceptance. Number two, know you are God's most loved. Number three, admit you struggle with insecurity. You see, this is the deception that we, that many of us face. We think, man, I'm, I'm pretty secure. I don't have a problem with rejection. You know how you know you have a problem with rejection is when you're rejected. Some people say, I don't really have a problem with receiving praise from others. Their praise from others doesn't 
It doesn't affect me in a negative way. Let yourself get rejected one good time and you'll find out how much praise you need from others. I've heard it said that praise is food for God and poison for man. Um, You're never more like the devil when you want credit for what you do. We all struggle with insecurity. And, And to admit that is so important. Don't be deceived. You know, it's one thing to be insecure, but it's another thing to be unaware of it. And I've known people in my life that were unaware of their own insecurity. And it shows up, especially in leadership, when people try to make it all about them. They're the center of attention. They raise others up to raise them up. The only reason they have people in their life is to make sure they get down the road a little bit farther. They become legs or platforms for their ministry or their leadership or their job or their attention or their career. And it can be, they can be dangerous people because they don't believe their own insecurity and they hurt and wound others around them. Worship leaders, you know, I've, I've spent a, a majority of my life in the area of worship ministry and I've noticed even my own tendencies early on and Whenever you're insecure, you'll try to build ministry around yourself that spotlights you. You're the only one that sings the songs. You're the only one that leads and exhorts people and everybody else serves your purposes to build your ministry and to elevate you. And when certain people no longer fulfill that role, they're either let go or fired. I've watched people get very badly wounded in ministry because the leader was all about themselves and used others to promote them. That was their entire, and I've seen people get burned and wounded and cast out and rejected and fired because they just didn't give the leader enough props and didn't continually honor them and make them feel important. And it was because they were unaware of their own insecurity and their own jealousy and their own envy. Anytime someone else begins to succeed, you can tell you're insecure when it makes you uncomfortable. And we have to be willing to admit this. Get some people around us that can tell us the truth. Man, you're just jealous. My wife has told me that before. Tony, you are just jealous. And you know what? Thank God that I've got people around me that can help me identify these hidden insecurity because hidden insecurity is the worst. You'll, you'll, You'll be mad at people and dislike people just for the fact that they're probably better than you, better looking than you, can teach better than you, can sing better than you, and you just don't like it and you develop this insecurity and this jealousy because it's a poverty mindset. When someone gets elevated around you, you start to think that there's no room left for me and there's no opportunities left for me and they, they got it. And sometimes we even secretly, I hate to say this, but some of us, including myself, sometimes we secretly celebrate the failure of others because we think, aha, I knew it and now it's my turn. Folks, we have got to be honest with ourselves because insecurity is our worst enemy. It robs us of the joy of living. It keeps us in competitive mode all the time. It keeps us from from celebrating the successes and the achievements of others. Most personal emotional calamity stems from insecurity. I'm talking all out calamity from insecurity. 
We make dysfunctional decisions when we're insecure. We can't see clearly because all we see is ourselves. Selfishness really is a symptom of not believing that God has fully accepted you. When God fully accepts you, you're able to let go of the limelight and the spotlight. You're able to let other people be exalted around you and celebrated around you and lifted up around you and your heart fills with pride and true love and true compassion and true concern and regard for others because you've dropped this need to always be at the center of the spotlight. You can't be deceived. You're going to make dysfunctional decisions. You're going to live a very dysfunctional life when you're insecure and you don't know it. It's one thing to be insecure and we all need to admit it because when we admit it, at least then we can deal with it. We can be honest with ourselves and get some people around us that'll tell us the truth when we need them to tell us the truth. Because the gap between function and dysfunction is insecurity. You gotta, you gotta accept your acceptance. You gotta know you're most loved and you have to admit you struggle with insecurity. You know, it takes a strong person to admit that they're insecure at times. And a lot of people don't like that. They're very uncomfortable with that. But see, strong people learn how to overcome their discomfort, even with their own emotional weaknesses. It's, it's strong people that can admit their weakness. Because unless you can admit it, unless you can admit it, you won't deal with it and you won't ask people for help. Strong leaders can ask their staff members, hey, if you catch me up in something and you see me being insecure and you see me operating out of jealousy and emotional need, please pull me aside and tell me. Don't tell them in front of everybody. You know, there's a way to challenge the process with leaders. You got to learn to do it in private. I talk about it in my book, Leader Slips, how to properly challenge leaders. But it's important that you get some people around you who will talk to you and tell you the truth. You don't always have to be the big shot on the block. Sometimes it's, it's good for you to say, you know what, man, I'm feeling insecure today. I feel like I'm not being validated and approved of. I feel like my ratings and my polls are down and I just need some boosting up and some lifting up. And you know, we have people around us that know us and can help us with that. My wife is my biggest champion. She affirms me on a regular basis. We all do need that from one another from time to time, but we can't live on it. We can't base our lives on the highs of approval and the lows of disapproval. You know, exceptional people, when they're up, they're up. And when they're down, they're down. So exceptional people, leaders, powerful, strong people need to get a hold of this insecurity in their life. It doesn't mean you'll never be insecure. We're all insecure, but that's when you have to fall back on the finished work of Christ. Jesus believes in me. He called me. He's got a destiny on my life. I have a purpose. I have an assignment. And he called me even in my weakest point. He believes in me. He's for me. He wants me to succeed. And he's empowered me to succeed and given me gifts. You see, when you're insecure, we don't, when you're insecure and you let insecurity rule, you don't notice the strengths that you have. Your strengths, my strengths, begin to surface in our lives when we recognize our insecurity and cast it on the Lord and believe in what he believes about us, what he says about us. So you have to admit it. You have to come clean. You have to be willing to say, you know what? I'm insecure. There's some men's men out there that I know, a man's man, strong men out there. 
and they're emotionally weak when it comes to admitting their insecurity. When they get around other guys, they pound their chest and they compare their accomplishments and the size of their churches and the, and the cost of their watches and the, and the cars they drive and, and who's the bigger man and who's the better athlete. And that's kind of a natural thing guys do around each other. But guys, we need to be willing to admit that we're just a little bit insecure, even just a little bit. And you're on your way to being a strong person. Ladies, you don't, you don't have to have the approval of anybody to be what God has made you to be. You are beautiful in his eyes. You have a destiny. You are strong. You don't need to join a movement. You don't need to wear a pin on your lapel that says that you belong to a certain movement. You are a strong woman of God. God made you who you are and you can stand confident in his identity for you. You don't have to fight for your place. God will fight for you. He'll open doors for you. God will make it to where if you feel like that you're having to compete for what others have and you feel like you're less appreciated and less paid and less, God will, God will vindicate you and place you where you belong. So ladies, you can't let insecurity rule your life either. We're all insecure. It's not a man's thing and it's not a woman's thing. It's a person thing. It's a soul thing. And you can become soul deficient when you live in that insecurity. So let's be aware of it and admit it. Hey guys, we're going to take a half time here and just uh, remind you to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcast. These two things just really help us bring more awareness to the platform God's given us to share this content so people can discover how to have peace and joy in every area of their life. Uh, this is part two of acceptance issues, and we hope you're getting it. Sometimes it takes a while just to get that brain massaged and get some of these concepts in there so you can stop wrestling with your acceptance in Jesus. Um, he's made you acceptable by grace. So let's jump in. We've got about 17 minutes left, and uh, it's going to be some great content to close off this two-part series. So let's get into it. So number one, accept your acceptance. Number two, know you are God's most loved. Number three, admit you struggle with insecurity. Number four, stand confident in your identity. The scripture, 1 John 4, 17, as Christ is, so are you. You can't get more confident than that, but that's what you have to go back to. You have to know that you are identified with Christ. You are as loved as Christ by God. Everything Christ is, you are. If he's victorious, you're in him, so you're victorious. If he's seated next to God, so are you because you're in Christ. You're a new creation. If, if, if he is mentally sound and has no fear and courageous, if that's his perspective, then that's your perspective. So you have to stand confident. There's three things that you need to do. You need to remain at peace, be secure with God as Christ is with God. Number two, remind yourself each time, God thinks I'm awesome. There's times when I'll call myself on my voicemail and I'll leave an idea or a sermon title or a song idea or I'll call to remind myself to do something so that I can check my messages later. And sometimes I'll be talking to myself and I'll say at the end of that call, oh, and Tony, by the way, you're the bomb.com and hang up the phone. 
so that when I hear that call again, I'm reminding myself that God thinks I'm awesome. Again, I said it earlier, God is in the stands. He's got his big gulp Dr. Pepper and his hot dog, and he's standing up and he's making the most noise about you than anyone else in that stand. You need to hear and identify that voice because God's voice is, he's, what he's trying to do is get through to you by raising his voice above the sound of the crowd, whether they're cheering you on or whether they're booing you down. He is trying to elevate his voice in your life to say, listen to me, Tony. Listen to me, whoever you are out there. God's saying to you, listen to me. Don't listen to anyone else, whatever they say. Because if you accept the applause of the, the, applause of the crowd, you'll become prideful. If you accept the rejection of the crowd, you'll be dejected and, and depressed. So listen to my voice. Let his voice ring loud in your ear. Number one, remain at peace and be secure with God as Christ is with God. Number two, remind yourself each time God thinks I'm awesome. And then number three, remember God chose you. God, man, God chose you. He chose me. He chose me to do certain things that he didn't ask anybody else to do because he saw something in me that he didn't see in someone else. And I can't get bugged out or worried about what everybody else is getting to do and not getting to do. I need to focus on what God chose me to do. I'll always have what it takes because if God didn't think I had what it took, he wouldn't have picked me. So number one, remain at peace. Number two, remind yourself. And then number three, remember, God chose you. You have what it takes. Several years ago, I was given my first real full-time ministry position as a youth pastor in a really large city. And uh, I left the small church of about 120 people. Our youth group was about 50 people. And I thought I was really cooking. I thought I was the man. And I got down here to this big city, took this big assignment and from day one, it just went downhill. Church of about 6,000 people. We had a youth group of about 100 people. And I thought I was the cat's meow. I walked in there. And from day one, I had resistance. And parents disliked me. And kids disliked me. And I really did everything I could to try to find my place and acceptance in this ministry. But in about three months, I was called to the pastor's office. And I was asked to resign because of failure. Now, there were a lot of things that happened in this ministry that wasn't all my fault. I was resisted. I was pushed back on. I was rejected and I was disliked. And there was a lot of the, the a demonic warfare going on that was coming against my ministry. But God put me in this situation, not only to have a, a ministry, but to really learn a few things. And I remember on the day that I was called to the pastor's office earlier that day, I had a, um, a tooth extraction scheduled at a dentist office about a week prior to this meeting. I'd bit into a piece of steak and broke one of my molars on my back left side. And the, uh, I had to have it pulled so that I could have a crown put in. And I remember, uh, the day of this pastor's meeting, the pastor's meeting was scheduled for three o'clock with the parents and the student ministries director and the senior pastor of the church. And it was all going to be made official at three o'clock, but I had my dental dentist appointment scheduled at 1 PM. So I want you to keep that in mind. As I tell this story, three o'clock, I've got this pastor's meeting. And then at one o'clock, two hours before I have a tooth extraction scheduled. 
And I was young at the time. I really didn't know all that would be involved. I just got in my car. And by the way, at this time, I, 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 my wife was pregnant with our son. She was still living in another state that we were planning on moving from. And so the doctor had her on bed rest. And so we hadn't even made the full transition to move to the big city. I was just staying with some friends of the church um, and commuting in back and forth to work every day to the church. And my wife was waiting on getting the house ready to be sold and being put on bed rest by the doctor. So my wife wasn't with me at the time while I was in the big city trying to make this adjustment and get ready for us to make the final move. And before we could even do that, I was being asked to resign from failure for a ministry that I gave my all toward. And I remember on the day going to the dentist office, I was in tears and so depressed and so upset about all that had happened and regret for even trying to take the assignment and disappointment in people and, and angry at pastors and angry at parents. And I was just an emotional wreck. And I remember as I was driving the, the doctor's office, the dentist office was about 45 minutes from the church. So I'm on my way making this lengthy drive through the city. And on my way, there was a fire station on the, on the side of the road and it had a little marquee sign. And I looked through the window and the sign said, you have what it takes. And part of me was hearing the Lord say that, but the other part of me was just like, are you kidding me? No, I don't have what it takes. I failed. I blew it. People have rejected me. They hate me. The kids hate me. The parents don't like me. The pastors want me out. It was a very difficult day for me, but somehow the Lord was trying to break through to tell me something that I couldn't believe about myself at the time because I was basing all of my certain circumstances at the moment based on the failure of my life rather than listening to what God was trying to tell me. So I arrived at the dentist office. I went in, I checked in at the counter. I sat down. The nurse said that the dentist uh, assistant will be out to get you shortly and they'll bring you back and they'll pre prepare you to take the tooth out. So I sat there for about five, 10 minutes. The nurse came out. She said, you can come on back. I walked back into the room. They put me in this chair and they put a light in my face and they said, we're going to give you some laughing gas to prepare you for this, uh, this tooth extraction. So just sit back and relax. So they gave me some laughing gas. And then the nurse said, can you feel this? And she began to poke in the back of my mouth. And I was like, probably most like, pretty much like anybody else. Yes, I can feel it. I remember telling her that. And so they gave me another dose of, of laughing gas just to kind of put me at ease and relax me a little bit. Then they asked me again, can you feel this? And they were putting some kind of object in my mouth, you know, putting some pressure back on that area. And I was convinced that I could feel the pain. So they just lovingly said, we'll give you one more dose of gas. So I've got three doses of laughing gas and I'm not even thinking straight here. I've got a meeting at three o'clock with the pastors, the parents, the student ministries director to resign from this position to kind of make it final. And I'm being given all this laughing gas and I've got to drive back to the church on my own. Didn't even bring anybody with me. And so they're giving me all this laughing gas and they pull the tooth and they walk me to the counter after it's over. And they said, sir, will you be all right? Can you get back? Of course, being young and stupid. I said, yeah, no problem. I don't even know how I got back to the church. But I remember 
I, re I don't remember the drive back, but I remember walking into that office. I remember seeing all those disapproving faces and parents folding their arms and the pastor. And it was a very somber, very solemn gathering. And, and it was going to be, you know, where I'd have to resign and eat my failure and be disappointed. And, and, but the only thing I could think of was I, I, I saw these parents looking at me and all I could think of was, I've got this huge smile on my face. I remember feeling so good when I walked into this office and I had, you know how like when they give you shots in your mouth, you have a kind of like your cheek is drawing down. I wish I could show you, but I'm telling you over the, over the microphone right now, but the corner of my mouth was drawn down a little bit and and I walked into the room and I remember one of the parents saying, are you okay? And I just kind of looked at him with a dazed look on my face. And I said, I've never been better. That's all I could say. And I don't remember what happened for the rest of the meeting, but I remember that it was final. I remember that we ended the meeting. I don't even remember praying or what we talked about, but it was final. And I walked out of that office feeling as high as a kite because of this laughing gas effect that was still on me. And I thought years later, I thought, isn't that like God to tell us we have what it takes? As I was on my way to that dentist office, I saw that sign. I'll never forget it. You have what it takes. And then God sends us into a dental office to receive his joy and his laughter. And it's, it's the approval of God over our lives that protects us and guards us for the rejection and the disapproval of man. We can have the joy of the Lord. We can be as we can be we can be high on the love and acceptance of God so much that when the rejection and the disapproval from man comes our way, we can be so protected from the emotional damage that it can do on us. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I know I may not be telling this story exactly the best way that I know, but I'm telling you today that when you know you have what it takes and you know that God has told you, you have what it takes. You can be at peace with God, peace with God over that. You can remind yourself that God thinks I'm awesome. He chose me. I always have what it takes that no matter what people say or do or how they reject you or how they want to cast you out or how they want to get rid of you or how they don't like you or how they're jealous of you, all that won't matter because you will be, you will be settled in the acceptance of God and it will give you such joy and strength to make it through the times where you're rejected and people disapprove of you and want to push you out. So you need to accept your acceptance. You need to know you are God's most loved. You need to admit you struggle with insecurity. You need to stand confident in your identity. And number five, if you do those things, you can live free from the need for respect. And that's a tough one. But we love getting respect. We love people admiring us and we want people to appreciate and value us and respect us. Leaders are really strong on that. You know, professional basketball players don't just want the paycheck, they want respect. 
And you can actually be a slave to respect and the need for it. But when you, but when you know that you are accepted by grace, you don't have to live enslaved to the need for respect. And when you do that, when you can live free from the need for respect, you can love and serve other people without limits. Nothing is too low for you. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too embarrassing for you. You can truly serve people. And really, that's what we're called to do, to love and serve others. That's what leadership is. And if you can't love and serve others, that means somewhere down on the inside, you have this need for respect. You don't want to get down on your hands and knees and do the dirty work. You don't want to do things that, that, that take away from that look of you know, respect. You, you're, you're, you're going to want to be one of those guys that has to have people carry your luggage around. You can't, you, you, you can't stoop too low. You don't want to stoop too low so that others will see you as lower than what you need for them to see. That's when you know you're enslaved to the respect for others. But when you can really live free from the need for respect, and the only way you can do that, the only way I can do that is to truly accept our acceptance, to know that we're God's most loved, to admit we struggle with insecurity, to stand confident in our identity, whom Christ has made us to be, that we're, we're, like, we're like Jesus is, that we've been sanctified once and for all, that it's his grace that's accepted us in the beloved. You know, people say, well, what, Tony, what if people take advantage of me? What if they walk on me? Well, it's when you're dead to the approval of others, it won't matter. You know, you can you can open a coffin and look at a dead man and you can say all manner of evil about that dead man. You can say how much you hate him, how ugly he is, how, how terrible he's dressed, how terrible of a person he was, what you, what you hated about him, but you know it won't matter because he's dead. It doesn't affect him. And the only way that we can ever live free from the need for respect from others is to be dead to it. And the only way you can be dead to the approval of others is to be alive in the grace of God, to come alive in Christ, to be alive in Jesus. Uh, Paul said, um, you know, it's not that I live, it's that Christ lives in me. He understood what brought him to life and to cut him free from the need for approval from man and for uh, the applause of others and the accolades. And, the, and, and this is emotional wellness, wellness at its finest. This is, this is living free at its finest. When you can love others and serve others and show compassion and, 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 and do the things that others can't do because you have died to the need for the approval of others. And the only way you can die to it, you can tell yourself, oh, I don't need other people's respect. I don't need their approval. But until you truly come alive in the fact that Jesus Christ has made you free and that you are accepted by God apart from your behavior and your ability to perform, if you can accept the fact that you stand right beside God because of what Jesus did in your life and that you will never lose that favor, never lose that acceptance, never lose that love, when you can get to that place, you will start seeing the chains for the need for people's approval begin to break off of your life. That's what you call freedom. That's what you call being able to live above that. And you can be a better leader. You can be a better husband. You can be a better wife. You can be a better student. You can be a better friend. 
You can be a better coworker. You can be a better boss. Why? Because you don't need the approval of others. You're solid. You're secure. You know who you are. You've been able to accept your acceptance. Know that you're God's most loved. You're able to admit you struggle with insecurity. You're able to stand confident in your identity and you're able to live fully free from the need for respect so you can love and serve others without limit. Hey guys, that's all the time we have left for today. Hey, we've taken two episodes to pound home this idea, this truth that you are accepted. Bottom line, pure and simple, by grace alone. Now, that doesn't mean that everything you do is acceptable, and that doesn't mean that your actions are always approved, but you are an accepted person and an approved person. Jesus did that himself. He sealed you until the day of redemption. That's kind of like your USDA seal of approval, 100%, only it's by heaven. It's not by some agency or church or person or preacher. God has done that in your life and you can stand on that and it will change your life, but you have to accept it. You have to believe it, receive it, and walk in it. Hey, thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Live 360. Three things, subscribe, leave us a review, and share this with one or two people in your relationship circle who need to hear what you've heard today. And until next time, we'll see you. Oh, 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 oh,